Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel according to John, and I now invite you to stand in, in body or in spirit and honor the reading of God's Word. Our reading today is from John chapter 20, and I invite you to read along with me in your bulletin. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead." Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. You may be seated. Before we start, I just want to say a special word of thanks to our choir, to Bonnie, to Dawn, and to Riley, and David, and Valerie, and Kenji for beautiful, beautiful music this morning. Will you thank, uh, thank them with me? As well as to Kathy and our bells and our kids. I had a front row seat. For the kids' choir today, uh, that was amazing, and so I'm just so thankful. Um, in the church I grew up in, the pastor, and maybe this is how yours went, the pastor would say, Christ is risen, and the church would say, He is risen indeed. I just want to try that a couple of times. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Okay, now I know you're up. Life is filled with defining moments, uh, moments that serve as markers of time, instances that create a clear division between the past and the future. And I call them BCAD moments because there's a clear before and after. 
And sometimes these defining moments are like a global, historic scale. Moments like realizing the earth is round, that changed some things, or the Renaissance, or the Industrial Revolution, or the invention of the internet, or as one preschool told me two, preschooler told me two weeks ago, M&Ms. That was a big, was a big deal for that kid. <laughs> but these BCAD moments also occur on a more personal scale. Meeting my wife was one of those moments. There is a clear before a dare and after a dare in my life. And another is becoming an uncle. It really changed a lot of things. And now for me, there is before Crosby and after Crosby. And I'm betting you guys have moments like that in your life that changed everything and by which you measure your life, BCAD, a clear before and after. Maybe for some of you younger folks, it was, it, it was a move from fifth grade to sixth grade. That's a big jump. <laughs> yes, I'm getting a nod. Absolutely. Maybe for some of you it was graduation or figuring out college or or starting a new job. I heard from somebody last week, actually, for me it was the first time I heard the Beatles. (laughs) I said, great. (laughs) Or maybe it was when you became a parent. Or maybe it was when you became a grandparent. These BCAD moments are all occasions that fundamentally alter our lives, and they're not always joyful. Moments like moving from everything you've ever known, from friends and family, or maybe losing a job, or a diagnosis, or the death of someone dear. I have a friend named Alex, and she experienced a moment like that. She ran face first into her BCAD juncture. Alex was in and out of trouble for a long time, and she fell into old habits, and she ended up in prison for a while. And so I went to visit her a few times during that period, and the first time I saw her through the glass, me on one phone, her on the other, we met and we talked. She was very hopeful. She realized what she'd done wrong. She was reconnecting with God. She was connecting with the folks on the inside. The next time I went back, she was less enthusiastic. Life inside was starting to take a toll, but she said she was still trying to hope. She was still reading her Bible, finding ways to pray and to care for the other women around her. And the last time I went back was rough. Our conversation wasn't long. She didn't have much to say. She was really close to hopeless. She didn't know if she could ever stop being in and out of places like this. And I did my best to tell her that there is life beyond this place, that beyond our mistakes, those aren't who we are. We aren't defined by our shame or our errors, but I left left there thinking that if anything could be done, it would have to be an act of God. Alex was in darkness. And I wonder, there's probably some of you here today that are in similar spots, or you've been in those spots, facing the darkness, maybe not of a cell, but of future hopelessness, maybe even the despair despair of the grave, unsure of how on earth you will ever see the light again. On the morning of the third day, the disciples were in darkness. John and Peter and Mary had just witnessed their rabbi, their leader, and their friend arrested and put on trial, beaten and nailed to a cross, killed and marked according to the law of Moses as cursed by God. Anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. That's what it says in the law. 
And this changed everything. And I'm sure that they thought this traumatic experience would be the defining moment, the BCAD instance in their lives. The despair and the grief would grow less with time, I imagine, but life would always be measured according to that heartbreaking instance of loss. And on the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala comes with oil and spices in the morning while it is still dark. That's what the scripture says. That's not just a passing remark. It's not just the time of day. It's the condition of her soul. Mary is in a fog. She's in deep grief. She's experienced trauma from the events of Good Friday. She's in darkness. And Mary comes to the tomb, and though the worst has already occurred, the darkness seems to continue because now the body is gone. It's been stolen. Not only have they crucified him, but they've erased any and all evidence that he ever was. So Mary runs and gets Peter and John, and they see the same. They find the empty tomb. The others leave, but Mary stays. She feels herself falling deeper into despair. The weeping continues, and the gardener begins a conversation. Why are you crying? But she doesn't recognize the voice sometimes when... Tears of grief can cloud our vision, I imagine. That is until the gardener calls her by name, Mary. And she immediately knows his voice. A mentor of mine calls this the greatest one-word sermon ever preached. Mary. And it's at that instant, Mary has a new forever-defining moment, one that now surpasses and redeems the horror of Friday. This one is cosmic, yes, but it's unbelievably personal. And in a world that has been defined by death for as long as it's existed, God reaches into the present and he shifts everything we've ever known. Now anything is possible. The past is no longer in charge. Life no longer needs to be determined by the inevitability of death. Nothing is irreversible. Professor Arthur Gossip from Glasgow says that in the resurrection we find the proof of proofs of Jesus' victory and that God really is over all and that evil and sin and shame and guilt and harm and trauma and despair, impregnable and ineradicable though they seem, are both beaten and doomed. Of course, We all should have seen it coming. Jesus has been practicing resurrection the whole time. His entire life on earth has been a BCAD moment, this defining moment. He's been initiating new life from death, hope from despair, light from darkness, breaking the chains of the world to free folks for abundant life the whole time. Do you remember? At a well in the middle of the day, a shamed and excluded Samaritan woman came to draw water when no one was around, and he was there. And he told her of living water and a day soon coming when she would no longer be shunned and excluded and shamed. That sounds like resurrection to me. A man who couldn't walk had searched for healing his entire life, but he could never find it. And suddenly Jesus was there and said to him, take up your mat and walk. That sounds like life from death to me. A man sick with leprosy, shunned by his community for fear of spreading the disease, comes to Jesus and Jesus reaches out and touches the man, something you don't do 
with lepers. And with his healing comes the resurrection of a life that was lost. And finally, a woman whose friend was taken and killed and laid in a tomb. She gets there to pay tribute to what once was, but the tomb is empty. And she hears her name called, and with it, her life becomes defined not by the darkness of death, but by the sheer power of life. It turns out, friends, that Jesus has been practicing resurrection the whole time. N.T. Wright, author and theologian, says that Jesus' resurrection is the practice of God's project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. Death has been defeated. Jesus has risen from the grave and has removed death as the norm, replacing it with resurrection. That is the new normal. That is the new life. The old life is left in the tomb, and the resurrection is our new and natural state. And today, once again, we gather together to look death, to look despair, to look at darkness in its face and to to declare that there is nothing holding us back now. Jesus has risen and now calls us by name to join in and to practice resurrection in this world now. My friend Alex was eventually released from prison and I attempted to reach out, but I didn't hear anything from her for a while. Months went by, winter turned to spring, and Easter Sunday was fast approaching. And that Easter morning, I was an associate pastor at the time, so I stood up in the pulpit, not unlike this one, to lead the Apostles' Creed like Connor led a moment ago, and I looked out, Jesse, right about where you are, in the third row, and she was right there. Alex was sitting with her parents, And she was staring at me with this big grin on her face. She was no longer in a jumpsuit. She seemed healthy and she was out and I could barely get through the creed. Somebody once told me practicing resurrection means never giving up. We practice resurrection when we choose to not let death and despair have the final word. And don't get me wrong, friends. That day was not the end of Alex's struggle nor is today the end of mine or yours. But that day, that Easter Sunday, was a day when Alex chose to turn away from the darkness. She wasn't going to let despair have the last word. Her BCAD moment was not to be defined by a prison cell or her mistakes, but rather by hope and a future and tomorrow and a resurrection. And if anybody was practicing resurrection that Sunday, it was Alex. My great uncle was a pastor and he used to say that the message of Easter concerns us all because all of us have to pass through the experience of death and darkness. But the resurrection means that death is not a terminus, but a thoroughfare, not a blind alley, but a gateway. And the fact of the resurrection makes our own rising a strong and reasonable hope. It's the norm, the new norm. In this defining moment, friends, this BCAD circumstance, the Spirit of God that raised Christ that day, that has been in the practice of resurrection long before us and long after us, is in us. 
and calls us by name to practice that same resurrection in this world. Eugene Peterson says the practice of resurrection is not an attack on the world of death. It is a nonviolent embrace of life in the country of death. It is an open invitation to live eternity in time. And I've heard eternity described this way. Eternity is two things, a life that never ends and a love that never fails. And because of that life and that love, our lives are defined differently now. It makes me remember the words of Charles Wesley, no condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine, alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine, bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Friends, may you know May you know that in a life filled with defining moments, there is one instance that defines us more than any other. May you understand that though death and darkness are still present, they no longer hold the keys. May you know that it was in the darkness of the morning when Mary heard her Savior's voice. And may you hear the sound of your Savior's voice calling your name and inviting you to shed sin and guilt, and shame, and to practice resurrection now for a world that so desperately needs new life. The primary BCAD instance in my life and in yours is no longer anything that we have done or will do. Jesus Christ is your defining moment, and he's mine. Let us pray. Gracious God, open our eyes to the world around us that we may become aware of resurrection, of new life happening all around us. God, may we constantly remember the work that you have done through Jesus Christ. May we constantly be in remembrance of the resurrection and what it means for us. God, we are grateful. Help us to practice resurrection in this life now. May we be ever hopeful and may we remember that Jesus Christ and the empty tomb, those are our defining moments. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.